2: If people are wondering out there, and I don't know if this has actually been a question to the mailbag officially, but I'll throw it out there because I'm sure it's on the mind of at least one fine listener here, Cardinals. are a undergrad. big mailbag guy. Uh, we'll get to the mailbag in a minute. In fact, the mailbag is part of this initial question. It's, okay. it's a question with multiple choice in a way. How exactly do Darren Urban, Caldergard, and Paulie Podcasts get a podcast that's now listened to internationally, apparently? How exactly does this happen? And, and I would just counter by saying, before trying to, I don't know, dignify this uh, podcast with our credentials, I would just cite, have you seen anything else that's going out there across the landscape? I walked into a gas station the other day and they were selling Bitcoin. <laughs> if you can buy Bitcoin in a convenience store gas station, are you kidding me? If Darren can get a mailbag letter from Slovakia, If the GM of the Titans can pull off a trade for Julio Jones from his pontoon boat on a lake. (laughs) If the OC of the Ravens, Greg Roman, says that he's going to play Lamar Jackson under center more. Wink, wink. Hint, hint. We'll get to that a little bit later. If Carlos Dunlap, a defensive end, can now wear number eight, Kyle. I mean, stop me here at some point. Okay. If all these things. If Michael Gallup of the Dallas Cowboys can come off an OTA against air and say, I don't see anybody stopping us this year, then you know what? You're darn tuned. We can have Cardinals underground every week brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals.
1: Are you offering me your stash of Bitcoin? Is that what's going on here? (laughs) If you got some Bitcoin laying around, it's worthless, Paul. Just hand it over. doesn't mean anything. If you haven't caught up on the news, just, just send it over. I'll, I'll get rid of it. I'll go to the gas station. I'll give it to them.
2: You haven't seen my track record with the SEC and Wall Street. Uh, the government will come after that Bitcoin like they just did those criminals in the pipeline. So if I do give you Bitcoin, it won't be yours for long because my reputation will precede me over here. So you know, those are just some of the happenings out there on the landscape, Darren. So including the uh, letter from Slovakia, really. That really happened. Well,
0: I mean, we, the mailbag is international, Paul, and <laughs> yes, okay. I've gotten lots of letters all right. from all over the
2: okay. globe. By the way, should we catch Darren up since he wasn't here last week? Um, you were one of the prop bets. <laughs> with the advent of legalized sports gambling coming uh, ostensibly, reportedly, allegedly by the beginning of the NFL season, Right. Uh, we came up with some Pauly prop bets, uh, Kyle, Kyle. Uh, you know, he, he basically shot most of them down. But uh, Kyle, what did you say when I posed the prop bet? J.J. Watt will or will not catch a pass for the Cardinals this season?
1: I said he definitely will not.
2: Ron Wolfley on the Big Red Rage immediately said, yes, he will. Okay. So boom, that's right out of the gates. Darren, how do you, how do you weigh in? I'm
0: going gonna, I'm gonna to say, yes, he will. Okay. It'll be like one of those little one-yard touchdowns.
2: Will the Cardinals score a touchdown on a return this year? Keep in mind, David Johnson was the last Cardinal to score on a kickoff return week 2, 2015. Ted Ginn, week 2, 2014 was the last punt return. Will the Arizona Cardinals score on a return this year? Kyle, you said
1: no. No. After you gave me those facts and yeah.
2: helped me decide. Okay.
0: Darren, I'm also gonna say no. I don't. I mean,
1: you
2: realize Rondell Moore is on this team.
0: I do, but I mean, I'm just going with the, okay. the odds. First of all, kickoff returns hardly ever happen anymore. Period. So you're you're down to punt returns, and that's such a crapshoot.
1: Okay. What do you think about J.J. Watt, Paul? Oh, he'll catch a it pass. It, you sure. guys all think that. Why do you not I, think that? Have you seen when the I tight think, end room?
2: Have you seen the tight end room? Well,
1: no, he's not catching one. He's not playing any offense.
2: They have uh, Darrell <laughs> Daniels, Max Williams, all right, all right. and a bunch of hey, here's, marks. here's here's
0: my question: Who plays offense first, J.J. Watt or Lucky Foto?
1: Mm. <laughs>
2: Neither. Mm. I like it. Offense. I like it. I like it. Darren's getting into the spirit of the prop bets. I like it over there. In fact, Darren. As mentioned, you were the subject of a prop bet. Uh, will Darren Urban get a neck tattoo this season?
1: And we can see it. The folks can't, but we can see it. It's right there on his <laughs> neck. It looks great, Darren.
2: Because that was a speculation. You missed last week's Cardinals Underground because you were recovering from the neck tattoo, neck tattoo. both <laughs> both physically and emotionally. You were recovering. In fact, we had you uh, with an appointment. The Washington Football Club had a wellness coordinator they brought in for mental health, and uh, we had you uh, with one of the first appointments because of the neck tattoo. Uh,
0: I can say... With with all uh, due respect to everyone that I did not get a tattoo Dang. last week, and I'm not no proof. On we're not we're not on Zoom anymore. <laughs> you don't we're know not, for sure. Right. Theater I'll, of the mind. All due respect it. to various <laughs> photoshops across Twitter.
2: <laughs> all right, so there you go. That's our little intro. Um, you know, I, I will say that as we get going here on Cardinals Underground, and it was great to uh, see minicamp. And, yes, I did say that. It was great to see minicamp because we didn't see it all of last year. So don't give me that uh, wry smile over there, Kyle, yeah, okay? You you're know,
1: jonesing for offseason season You're darn
2: tootin' I am. I mean, you don't know how you uh, miss something, okay, until, until it's not there any longer. So, boom, I did thoroughly enjoy day one of minicamp. But uh, I think it's our goal that everyone needs to be as honest as D.J. Humphreys was after Because I do believe in my 30 years covering the NFL was the first time I've actually heard a player admit that he has zero basketball skills.
0: (laughs) That was (laughs) hilarious. And I I was thinking the same thing, Paul, when he's like, nope, nope, can't (laughs) do it. You won't see any Miles Garrett videos from me. And I'm thinking, wow, he is literally, I think, the first football player that I've ever come across that didn't at least say, well, I can shoot it a little bit or I could get you some rebounds. He just...
1: No.
2: I mean first guy did not egregiously embellish and and have us turn on the lie detector when talking about his own basketball prowess. He basically said, I think the quote was I have zero game.
1: Yeah. All the NBA guys are lucky because if the NFL guys didn't choose football, according to them, they would all be stars in the NBA. Yeah, that's
2: true. So uh there you go on that front. All right. How about some takeaways here? And by the way, our Jim Omahundro weighing in and saying the real question is if Darren listened to Cardinals Underground last week.
0: I actually did. While really? while I was while I was sitting outside my uh, while I was sitting outside my my verbo or airbnb or whatever it was on the on mission beach in san diego oh, i did listen to you guys Oh, really i okay. thought you did a, a wonderful fine job although there was obviously a giant hole missing <laughs> that's without right. me on it that's right
2: did you bring us back any fish tacos from mission beach <laughs> no, no i did not no okay all right they wouldn't
0: uh, have, they wouldn't have made the five-hour drive very well that's I true
2: think that's true uh they don't freeze real well or stay in the cooler uh so takeaways darren with that in mind you bat lead off uh, g- give me a takeaway or two from mini uh, minicamp 2021
0: well i mean honestly the the first thing you, you notice how how it's how it is different i mean i i wasn't around last week so i i didn't get to see the voluntary otas uh which was most everybody and but to be honest, looking at the minicamp today, it felt a lot like a old OTA. And we all kind of know that that was the direction this was going. Players were talking to uh, coaches individually. Each, each team kind of addressed it a little bit differently with their head coaches. Cliff Kingsbury agreed to doing one of the stuff at one point uh, in the middle of the initial practice this week. Um, they were going on to special teams and. It was made very clear to all the players: no helmets, no helmets, no helmets. That never really happened in any other minicamp practice I've seen over my 20 years, or whatever however many minicamps I've seen, um, to to go and basically shed the helmets for the back half of the practice. That just didn't happen. It's it and it's there's nothing wrong with that, um, and in fact, it, it probably makes a lot of sense. I mean, again. Big picture, the players have talked all offseason about saying, we understand why coaches want to get us on the field. Yeah, we need to learn some of this stuff mentally. But the physical part of it is just not necessary in June. And and you saw the manifestation of that on the field, watching the offense go through its its back and forth. There was no 11-on-11. 11 11. There was some 7-on-7. Seven seven. There's no 11-on-11. 11 11. And you kind of saw, okay, we're gonna go through this so you know where you're going on this play, but it's gonna be at a slower pace. There's no helmets uh, for most of
1: it, and we're just we're gonna be smart with our bodies.
2: Kyle, what do you think?
1: I think for better or worse, we're naturally gonna figure out who is at the mini camp and who's not. And the biggest news was that Chandler Jones wasn't on the practice field on Tuesday and he was here Monday for the media day and thought that you know, maybe that would mean he practices and, he didn't. He wasn't there when it, the OTA was open to the media, which was voluntary, and now it's the mandatory minicamp, and he wasn't there. So, not so much that he misses an hour of on-field work. I mean, does Chandler Jones really need that? Probably not. But what does that mean about his state of mind and where he feels? And I think we are all assuming it's contract-related. Him being in the final year of his deal. Um, but he hasn't really said anything about what he's doing or what he's thinking, so it's a, a bit of a guessing game, but it seems like Chandler Jones isn't here for a reason, and, and will that linger beyond minicamp because Cliff Kingsbury already said he doesn't expect Chandler Jones here throughout minicamp.
2: Is he making a statement without playing hardball? Would you show up to media day if you really wanted to dig in? If you want to make a statement with, all oh, dare I say it, an exclamation point at the end, you would have stayed away from media day because media day directly links to the regular season, does it not? In the advent and beginning of the season, at least training camp and okay, but if you're going to show up for media day, doesn't that portend to a certain degree that you do expect to play this season for the Arizona Cardinals?
0: Uh, you know, I don't, I mean, uh, yes, I agree with you. And and I, once he was at media day, I'm thinking to myself, okay, he's going to be around, Um I would never expect Chandler Jones not to play the season I mean I understand you want a new contract but to be honest his leverage because he got hurt last year is 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 in a tough place I mean he can make the statements he wants to by you know not being at, at minicamp and we want to clarify Cliff Kingsbury said we've had our discussions with Chandler Jones and we're going to keep those private but I mean, it, it was pretty clear to me that the team and, and the coaches understood that Chandler Jones wasn't going to be a practice. So
2: I mean, heck, they could be finalizing a multi-year contract extension and everyone agreed, you know what, Chandler, stay away just in case. Just in case. Knock on wood, but you know what, stay away just in case because you're going to have a lot of guaranteed long-term money coming your way. Just stay away until you sign on the line that is dotted.
1: I don't think so. I mean, I think if – if they were close, I think it's usually business as usual, as we've seen in the past with the DeAndre Hopkins extension and, and myriad extensions. It seems like the guys just go about business as usual. It's when there seems to be a, a a line in the sand or two sides that aren't on the same page when it comes to negotiations. That's usually when the the absences begin. So I think I think that they're probably not close to an extension and it's a hard conversation right now because of Chandler Jones's age I mean it's not it's easy when a guy is on his rookie deal year three when those guys hold out it's clear that they want to get their big lucrative contract and the team will probably acquiesce because they realize that that person deserves it they're in the prime of their career there's a lot of reasons for that but we keep seeing over and over when guys get in their 30s those negotiations get trickier but going back to your point about the media day I think that's that's a good point like we all expect him to be on the team and to play during the regular season. And if he doesn't, his contract is $15 million in base salary, which he doesn't get if he doesn't play. So it's it's a little bit toothless if you think that maybe he won't play this year. I think clearly yeah. he's going to play. He's just possibly expressing his displeasure at this point.
2: I actually was going to say $19 million, I thought, this year. $15 million is what his he's salary. due this year. Base season. salary. Base salary. Yeah. Base salary. And, okay. and
0: I, I would uh, – you know, I, I don't even know if it's necessarily – too. I mean – I know I just got through talking about how they're kind of going in slow-mo and there's not a lot of physicality to what they're doing, but they're still running around. Guys could still do something, and I, I would just hey, argue that the, the, the most important thing right now is, you know, you're not going to get an injury in something where I'm not getting paid, and he's not getting paid right now. So
2: You know, the 49ers, unbelievable, have already lost three key backups this offseason during workouts at their facility whether it's on the field in the weight room three including jeff wilson jr the running back who had a buck 80 plus in week 16 against the cardinals he's going to be out at least the first six weeks of the regular season that's the best of the bunch and then i saw the the corollary to that is do you know how injured the niners were last year okay everybody now how injured 84 (laughs) different players played for the 49ers last year. That's an all-time franchise record. The only year they've used more players in a single season was the strike year, 1987, the replacement season. 84 different guys.
1: But, I mean, it, it comes down to a philosophy decision then, right? Like, if if you don't want your stars to practice, then Kyler Murray wouldn't be out there and J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. Like, clearly coaches feel like it's a better decision to prepare in the offseason season. And in training camp for the season by practicing because there's always that risk of getting hurt and that'll be there forever. But they they choose to practice when they have the allotted time. It's not like Kyler Murray stands there and and doesn't do things. So I think I think that they want them there and they want oh, them sure. to practice. And you know those guys if they get hurt their their money's guaranteed. So it's it's not like Chandler Jones wouldn't get paid if he got hurt in the off season. I I just I I think I think
0: this is less about getting hurt in the offseason and undercutting what he could get in 2021 and more about getting hurt in the offseason and undercutting what he's going to get in 2022 and beyond. Because ultimately he needs, because he got hurt last year and because he missed most of the season, he needs a big year to get the kind of contract that he really wants. Because I'm assuming, you know, the one of the things I thought about when people talk about an extension with Chandler Jones, and, and they're not exact parallels, and I understand that. Uh, And and I'm not saying whether Chandler Jones should get an extension or not, but I do know that this team gave a giant extension to Tyron Matthew coming off an injury and it put them in a bind, quite frankly, uh, as that contract played out. And some of that was, you know some of that was their fault some of that was not their fault all this stuff but i'm just i'm wondering you got to wonder if he's a little if the team might be a little leery about something like that or or where david johnson was and i just you know D- dj humphrey said it when he was talking about chandler missing the mini camp and he's saying business is business and that's what it is business is business chandler jones thinks that the best decision for him right now is not to be practicing and as of right now we don't know what the situation is but as of right now The Cardinals haven't thought at this point that they need to give an extension. Now, that could be changing. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes, but business is business.
2: Jordan Hicks also was not there. And once again, we've mentioned it a few times here on Cardinals Underground, brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. Proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, We don't expect to see Jordan Hicks back ever again for the Arizona Cardinals. I think it's... It's trending that way. By the way, teasing forward a little bit before I get to my takeaways from minicamp. Thanks for asking. There was a Larry Fitzgerald sighting by yours truly before practice and after practice, sort of. I'll get to that. Uh, one of my takeaways would be uh, receivers who were there: number 18 and number 17. Our first look at AJ Green. Am I correct? Right. Actually, out on the field for yes. the Arizona Cardinals. Correct. And then we saw Andy Isabella who was absent uh, last time we saw the Cardinals out on the field for OTAs.
1: Can I go back to Hicks for a second? Sure. I, I'm not – You I'm just not, glossed right over that, Paul. I'm not completely sold that it's definitely the last time we'll see him in a Cardinals uniform. I I think in an ideal world, you know, they could find a, a, a trade destination for him and and he could find a better situation for himself. But I know you got two young guys, and is the depth where you want it to be where – Jordan Hicks I mean he'd be a nice backup if he's if he's okay with it and I know there'd be conversations on working that out and maybe it's a long shot but I don't think I would just say there's no shot that that Jordan Hicks is back
2: let me ask you this though if he took the reduced salary which he did contingent upon having an opportunity to earn back that salary with incentives and now he's the backup I think he has much of an appetite to return to this sort of scenario
1: yeah, yeah. maybe not but I'm, there's got to be feelers out there, right? I mean, he's got to be figuring out what's best for his situation, and maybe that would be his best situation. It 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 doesn't seem likely, but I just feel like it's it's still on the table. I don't think it means I guess. He's I guess gone. my
0: question would be this: If you're, I think his salary now is like two and a half, something like that, after the reduction. Um, unless you get a trade, if he goes to the open market, he's not getting two and a half. I don't think.
2: I still think there's a stare-down between the Cardinals and Eagles. I still think both teams want what the other team has. Zach Ertz for Jordan Hicks, but what's the rest of the deal? And the Eagles want, obviously, some extras thrown in. And the $8.5 million you would have to pay if you traded for Zach Ertz is a pretty penny right now. So the Cardinals don't want to give up anything other than a Jordan Hicks. And so I think right now you're looking at a stare-down between Steve Kime and Howie Roseman.
0: So – I mean, I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, Paul, but let me put you on the spot. Um, do, you, are you, do you know something about the, the Eagles wanting Jordan Hicks back when they left and walk away the first
2: time? The latter is speculation. The former, when I cited Jordan Hicks, is uh, according to some folks that I have talked to who do not expect Jordan Hicks to ever be back uh, right. with the Cardinals ever again. But the latter is speculation, and a lot of that speculation is coming out of Philadelphia in terms of the Eagles supposedly do have that need. Okay. at middle linebacker, and that will, a lot of the uh, Eagles B-writers and insiders think that would make a lot of sense. So that would be that one. All right, Andy Isabella, A.J. <laughs> Green, we saw that. out there. We saw those out. Uh, hey, we saw number 13 uh, out let me, there. Let me just say,
0: yeah. I, and I don't mean to jump all over this.
2: Uh, <laughs> well, Kyle did. Now it's your turn. We're never getting to well, your no, receivers. no, I'm, I'm getting turn. to Andy Isabella because
0: <laughs> I do want to say that Andy Isabella, I had seen him out there a few times. Okay. So it's not like... I, I obviously I wasn't around last week, so I don't know about who was out there the day that you guys were there. But I have seen Andy Isabella this this spring okay. at times, so he the, it's not like he just showed up. Because quite frankly, I'm maybe I'm just bracing myself. I know there's a lot of people that are not thrilled with Andy and Isabella fans that all oh, this and that, and I just don't want it to make it sound like he didn't show up until right now because I, I have seen him around.
2: Okay. Uh, the cornerbacks out there, we saw Robert Alford. I think it was Buddha Baker who told the media that Robert Alford was quote, I'm loosely quoting out, locking down stuff was the quote from Buddha Baker. So according to Buddha. That was a pretty positive review on what he saw from Robert Alford day one.
1: Yeah, not not to be too optimistic about it, but when we've seen Robert Alford healthy, he's been a pretty good cornerback yeah. in, in training camp. So it's not a shock to me that he says that Robert Alford is covering guys well. It's just kind of that – that hold your breath, and is he going to keep this up? And, and obviously we'll probably talk about this, but that's why Darquez Denard is now in that room where we. it seemed like, okay, they're going to sign a veteran at some point, add to that depth, and, and have somebody else as kind of that insurance, and, and it turned out to be Denard.
2: And I agree. Insurance slash motivation. How many corners are you going to keep on the final roster? Five tops, maybe four.
0: Yeah, I would think four or five, yeah. So
2: if you have Malcolm Butler, Byron Murphy, locks. After that, you have four guys for two spots, four guys for three spots. If you want to do the math between the young guys, Tay Gowan and Marco Wilson, and now Darquez Denard and Robert Alford. So you're going to, to me, when you're talking about the most hotly contested position group in camp, off the top of my mind, you're gonna have a hard time beating corner.
0: Here here's here I would also say this when you start doing the numbers, and it's so early when we start talking about numbers, but I, I would also say this that and I'm, i I would lean towards Tay Gowan, but you got two young cornerbacks. I mean, I, I just there's a part of me saying maybe you do keep a sixth if you're thinking that sixth guy is a red shirt, quote unquote redshirt guy who you're afraid he's not going to make it through waivers to the practice squad. So you might keep that extra guy knowing that we might have to play a little bit with spot number 52. And the other thing too is don't forget you have a little bit of leeway there because it does there we are trending toward the ability for teams to again bring up two guys every weekend from the practice squad to play which means you have a little bit more leeway to keep one guy, like they did with Eno Benjamin last year, who they didn't necessarily think was going to make it through to the practice squad, but they really never had any intention of probably making him active, so they just kept him on the active roster all year, or what they did with DJ Humphreys a few years ago. So um, I wouldn't rule out a sixth cornerback on the active roster because you have a little bit more ability to hide him, as it were, that
1: way. No. By but the A way, lot of times though, those last corner... Last safety, last linebacker. It's strictly a special teams move more so than what position you play because we've seen, you know, four safeties and sometimes we've seen six, depending on who's playing special teams. Like Charles Washington yeah. is a safety, but he's a special teams guy, and that's just kind of the position he plays. So if a Tay Gowan or a Marco Wilson, play special teams well and maybe they're not ready to play corner, but you're keeping him in that special teams role, that can affect the cornerback number. But I think clearly your your top three corners are going to be those veterans. Most likely Alford and then if, if Denard you want him to be your fourth or if he competes and gets a starting job and then you got your three. And then I think it depends on Is Marco Wilson ready to step in if you need him? And is Tay Gowan worthy of a roster spot? Because I think Wilson being a fourth rounder, those guys are tough to cut in their first year, especially with his athletic upside. So I think Wilson is probably safe unless it just doesn't work in camp. And then Gowan will have to show something. I think when you're talking about sixth, seventh round picks, those guys at the show, they can play at the
2: NFL level. All right. Speaking of, because we are talking about sixth and seventh round picks, Eno Benjamin, you guys happen to notice he was going full go, like, every single activity out there. Do you, you notice that? Like, mm-hmm. even in the warm the initial warm-ups, the first five or ten minutes, he'd just have a full burst right out. I mean, just most guys are doing the old brother-in-law thing, and here we are, and we're just loosening up. Not even Benjamin, if there's someone – Who's trying to be conspicuous by the effort level, it's definitely number twenty six, which I had to check the uh <laughs> the roster just to verify that was you know Benjamin. Come was he twenty six last year? Yes, he, was, he was, right? Was okay. Last okay. Year. Who was the guy who changed on me, the running back? Uh Jonathan Ward, who's now number twenty nine, which is no longer Chase Edmonds <laughs> because he's Deuce. That's the one that screwed me up.
0: Well, it's fair. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't take much to screw you up, Paul. But I, I will say that I mean, Eno had a lot. I mean, he didn't do a whole lot last year, so you would think he just got some extra energy, right?
2: <laughs> he's got some fresh legs. All right, speaking of, probably my number one takeaway was just J.J. Watt and just the fact he's leading every D-line drill. Uh, at times, he's audibly not happy with himself, doing it all over again, yelling at himself in some colorful language. I mean, my you know my NFL films-esque work with my cell phone and tweeting out all the video <laughs> clips at Paul Calvici. I had to do take three or four because J.J. Watt ruined his rep by yelling something out that I can't play over the internet. Okay, at least not. I don't want to attach my name to that exact word. So I had to wait for him to do it a second, third, fourth time till he liked it, and I didn't get an expletive attached under it.
1: It's kind of funny. like The Cardinals have a lot of laid-back, low-key stars right now. Kyler Murray, DeAndre Hopkins – Buda Baker is quieter. JJ Walk came in as a force of nature and he hasn't stopped. I mean, he's he's got the credentials. He knows who he is. And and you know, some guys will tiptoe into new teams and he he just cannonballed in and he's he's already like a go to guy for a lot of different things. And you know, it's it's nice for that defensive line group and the defense to have somebody like that to emulate. And, you know, I, I think that the Cardinals like that about JJ Watt is he's, he's pumped up about practice and he's yelling at himself and he'll probably get on other guys. And you know, they, they value that type of leadership and and that's something he definitely brings.
2: In fact, the Cliff Kingsbury quote after the initial mini camp practice was on JJ Watt quote, wherever he goes in the building, he raises the intensity. Yeah. So, uh, I immediately thought of office linebacker. What was the uh, Terry Tate office <laughs> yeah. linebacker? That's what I immediately thought of. Those old Google it up. All you, you Gen Zers out there, Google up Terry Tate and some of those YouTube videos of those old commercials. Those you are kill so- the Joe, you make some mo. <laughs> That's right. I mean, you would get seriously fined and thrown out of the league for some of those office linebacker hits you saw in the commercials in today's NFL. You can't hit like that in today's NFL.
0: You can't. You can't hit in the office like that either. I mean,
2: HR has a problem. That's right. They'd be walking you out on day one on the job on that one. So, uh, by the way, my Larry sighting before practice and after practice, I'm driving down the 101 going to the mini camp, And I look over, there's an 18-wheeler right about, I don't know, Guadalupe and the 101 heading south. A massive 18-wheeler. And I'm like, do a double take to my right. Uh, you know, I got the hands 10 and 2. All right, okay, I'm not on my cell phone, but I am looking to my right because there's Larry Fitzgerald's mug on the side of an 18-wheeler <laughs> for some energy sports drink. Larry taking a sip after a workout. He's he, you know he's sweaty, the whole thing, and his whole image is splashed on the side of this 18-wheeler, and I'm like, man, that's ironical, if you will, because on my way to minicamp, there's Larry on the 18-wheeler, but I will not see him about 10 minutes when I arrive at the field.
0: You ruined the story for me because I was totally ex- expecting you to talk about Larry in a trucker cap driving the 18-wheeler. <laughs> no. His picture was on there, okay. No, I mean, no. I could totally see that. He's a big baller. No. He's a son's po- co-owner. I don't know if you heard that. <laughs>
1: I'm glad he's got another revenue stream being unemployed football-wise. Yeah, he's, he's making rough. ends meet still. That's You're nice. Right. That's It's rough. good to know. That's right.
2: And then afterwards, there was another Larry Fitzgerald sighting. You walk by it every single day, but then it dawned on me. There's the mannequins right outside the ticket window at the oh, Cardinals yeah. HQ. And yeah. then one of the three jerseys, you have uh, number 1, number 55, in number eleven, Larry Fitzgerald.
1: Here comes a conspiracy theory. Well, why Paul's would gonna it? walk by it every single day and see if it's still there.
2: But Kyle, why would Larry be out there in the mannequin if he's not coming back? I mean, come on now. If he's out, th- and by the way, those mannequins are jacked. I mean, those things are yoked. <laughs> yeah. Have you seen this? I mean, if only I was half as muscular as those mannequins. It's crazy. Those I, are I, like
0: I personally want to get my uh, my waist to that like level. <laughs> like, right. They got the perfect V going. That's
2: right. So uh, there. You- I mean, honestly, if you have fifty-five-one in number eleven was in fourth or fifth grade. They did uh, deductive reasoning or mathematical reasoning. If one and two, then three. So if the first and second mannequin are current players are going to be playing in 2021, then why not three? That's the sort of mathematical deductive reasoning I'm using and looking at those three mannequins with the three jerseys.
0: I was told no math. Okay. I don't believe that. Isn't yeah. that your yeah. saying? Yeah. I mean, you come on now.
2: don't have to ask me twice on uh, that one. So uh, there you go. By the way, didn't uh, Cliff Kingsbury say the number one question he gets asked around <laughs> yeah. town? Hey, why don't you talk Larry into playing another year? Not just is he playing; you need to talk him into playing. It's
1: definitely the number one question I get <laughs> to. It's like long lost relatives yeah. and friends right. of friends. Hey, yeah. oh, you work for the Cardinals? Todd Haley asked What's me, "What's up I, with Larry Fitzgerald?" I did a I did an
0: interview with on uh, Sirius uh, NFL Radio, and Todd Haley is a co host of a show right now. Come which, on, is he really? Which, uh, that blows me away. Uh, I know Kyle; you never had the chance to meet Todd, but the the rest of us did. And uh, wow. Anyways, uh, that was the first question. Like half my interview was Larry Fitzgerald related. And the first question, Todd said he's like, I've been trying to get information. I can't. Obviously, you probably do. So, what's going on with Larry Fitzgerald? I'm like,
2: Hey, good thing he's on satellite radio. Knowing Todd, you know, I mean, he gets worked up, and uh, he'll have some colorful language out there himself. I
0: got to. I got to tell. Uh, prompted by him and his co-host I got to tell the uh the infamous Todd Haley running me over in the basketball court <laughs> story so there's was that
2: yeah by the way a uh, field Yates put out there that Jake butt has worked out for the Cardinals so as of this tight recording end. uh this moment the There Fuller goes Michigan your guys is JJ end. Watt dreams so uh, uh,
0: or or Greg Moore talking about Larry Fitzgerald playing tight end
2: that could still happen no don't say that that was like two months in the make. Didn't we cover that? We covered yeah, Larry as have a got tight that end off Cardinals in Cardinals under yeah, in like February. Yeah, we, so we have. you know, nobody has been injured more than Jake Butt. By the way, uh, he's played eight games with the Broncos in four seasons. Wow think about and he was injured at Michigan quite a bit yes when he was a big time recruit yes. so and I none
0: mean, of it has been his posterior which is
2: <laughs> no. no so uh just for that Darren it's on you what's next what other takeaways <laughs> oh, Well, Kyle is was
0: about to say something and you just cut him right off uh, think don't think
2: we, say, don't we, save him Kyle go ahead
1: <laughs> when you talk about injury prone guys like it's a big worry when you're paying money in free agency or spending draft capital when it's A guy on the street for the minimum salary, like there's no downside to bringing in a guy with talent who's had injuries and maybe he doesn't give you a full season. But if he can contribute, like we've talked about, their depth is non-existent at tight end. So I don't think it's a bad move to kick tires on anybody at, at tight end at this point.
2: I'm telling you, get ready for Josh Jones to be that sixth offensive lineman slash tight end.
0: J.J. Watt, didn't we already have this conversation?
2: And J.J. Watt, you know, J.J. Watt will be more the pass-catching oh, sorry. tight end. And the then Dan Josh Arnold Jones. in this equation. Exactly. Oh and then and then you have, oh, boy, okay. All right. Uh, by the way, it is the offseason. It is June. And, of course, that means power poles. And so uh, with the Titans making the big move they did make, and I referenced it earlier, the GM John Robinson pulling that trade off from a pontoon boat with an outing on a, with his family. <laughs> and so uh, I think it's Adam Shine Speaking of serious radio, Adam yep. Shine He loves threw the out, Cardinals. He threw out his Shine 9, the biggest bandwagons right here, right now, going into training camp. And this power pole, the biggest bandwagons. Number one, your week one opponent, the Tennessee Titans. Think about that when you have Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and Derrick Henry Think about the challenge if you're trying to load the box now, and put eight in the box with two young linebackers and a rookie, Zayvon Collins, with the green dot, having to worry about everything and everyone else and setting it. Because Bill Davis told us in the Big Red Rage, yes, indeed, that position is responsible for everybody on that defense. So now, okay, that's pre snap. Now you do snap the ball and you have six foot three, 250 pound Derek Henry coming straight ahead like a locomotive. You have to worry about that. Oh, no, it's play action. You better get back in coverage because here's A.J. Brown on a crosser right behind you. <laughs> it is a, you know, now, thankfully for anybody playing the Titans, at least earlier in the year, uh, their defense is nothing to write home about. But if you're telling me right here, right now, you're going to have a 30 something to 30 something score in week one right out of the gates, which usually isn't the norm because it takes a week or two for these offenses to sort of get into gear after showing a lot of nothing in August. Yeah, I could see the Cardinals and Titans being a barn burner in week one.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I don't look at the Titans as this, like, high-scoring machine just because of the way they play. So I don't know if you'll get into the 30s in that game. But, yeah, you could definitely see some efficient football from them. And it, it is an interesting like setup up for them where they have this star running back and they can pound it. And then you don't throw as often as everybody else. But when you do, you've got two elite weapons on the outside. My big questions with them are, is Ryan Tannehill going to stay as good as he's been the last two seasons? Cause there's some advanced numbers, which suggest he might regress. And then Derek Henry, can he keep doing what he's been doing with that type of workload? And he's getting a year older and at those running backs kind of slow down at some point. And I'm not saying he will, but it's always a concern that if he's not this super imposing running back, the, the best runner in the NFL anymore, how much does that hamper their offense? So I, I have some question marks about them. I think it'll be a very good opener, but I don't think the Cardinals are going to go in as heavy underdogs in that game. I think those teams are pretty evenly matched.
2: You want to hear the other uh, bandwagons? Uh, according to uh, the Shine Nine, Arizona Cardinals number six. That's the next team listed because in between the Titans and the Cardinals are a bunch of names. This is intriguing where you throw actually throw out individuals in terms of bandwagons getting a lot of attention. Joe Burrow, Brandon Staley, the former Rams defensive coordinator who's now the Chargers head coach, C.D. Lamb, Chase Young, uh, Cam Akers is near the bottom of the top ten or the top nine in this case, uh, the Rams running back. Dan Campbell, the Lions head coach. All right. So, yeah, you know, Motown in the D. They're definitely digging themselves some Dan Campbell. But the Arizona Cardinals, number six. The Miami Dolphins, number seven when it comes to bandwagon. There
1: there was definitely a bigger bandwagon feel for the Cardinals last season. It seems like it's that type of hype has moved on to other teams. And it's a lot of times post hype is when you actually become a, a good team or a lot of times good players where. A player will come up and, and everybody will be excited for him, but he's still learning and still inexperienced. And maybe we look at Kyler Murray in addition to what the team can do where the expectations were super high on Kyler Murray last season. And now just looking at the growth of any player from your second year, third year, you should keep improving. So even though the hype isn't there, Kyler Murray should be better than he was last year. You look at any productivity curve of an NFL player and they peak around 27 years old so Kyler Murray should keep improving the next several seasons and we don't have that hype anymore but now it's more realistic that the Cardinals can continue to improve and and take that next jump even though there isn't a huge bandwagon anymore but I think it's certainly realistic for all that to come together.
2: Okay, I'm very glad you brought that up because I have a direct question for you, Kyle Odegaard, here on Pacific. Uh, Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. You asked Cliff Kingsbury a question about Kyler Murray, and it was about the injury he suffered Thursday night at Seattle and the before and after. Mm-hmm. What was the answer again? Because Cliff Kingsbury did acknowledge, actually I have it here loosely, The uh, he said, yes, things shifted a bit after that, the style of play and the production, he said. Kyler did a nice job of pushing through it because he was uncomfortable a bunch during the season.
1: Yeah. And the reason I ask that is you talk to these guys during the season and they really downplay everything. <laughs> like when we talked about Kyler's injury, Cliff and Kyler all season long, you know, tried to downplay it, say he's fine, it's not a big deal once you get a little bit removed from a season and I think the honesty comes out more where guys are willing to say exactly what was going on and whether it's a crutch or whether it's true, that's what I wanted to ask at least Cliff Kingsbury's opinion on it. And he was very clear about the fact that, yeah, anybody that watched the tape could see the difference between Kyler Murray before the injury and after. So have we not talked about that enough? I guess is my question is is Kyler Murray, when healthy, that good that he was in the first half of the season? Was it was the combination of what he was in the first and the second half more of the player he is? I think that's what we're going to see in year three now that he's healthy again. But if he's truly the guy we saw in the first half and it was less about defensive adjustments and it was more about him not being able to play the way he used to play, that's huge for the Cardinals' offense, obviously, because – What we saw at the end of his rookie season to the first half of year two, that offense was humming, and then it bogged down. And if you can say the injury was the biggest contributing factor to that, then the Cardinals are in really good shape moving forward.
2: Because Cliff Kingsbury mentioned the production and the drop-off a little bit. Can you tie it directly? I actually haven't done that. Can you go to that moment, that game, it was the second quarter or was it the first quarter where he suffered the shoulder injury? First drive, I think. And then from there on, was it a different story the rest of the season?
1: I mean, that was the game where they were, what, 5-2, and two, I think, going into that, that Seattle game. So it very much lines up to where they started hot and then they cooled off. And like I said, we can debate whether the injury was the biggest factor or not. And I don't know if it was, and I think it's going to take a little bit to figure that out. But there was, there's a clear statistical decline after he got hurt.
0: I, I I do think like, cause there was the other shot that he took against the dolphins that, you know, that that's right in that time frame too, about, you know, they beat the bills and, and then all, cause he was pretty good against the bills. If or I, if I remember correctly.
1: Were, yeah. I'd have to go back and look at the exact things, but they're, you know, basically around halfway through the season.
2: And I do remember nosing around a little bit with that question. and, what I got out of it well if you look at the way he's running the ball it's different he's not quite running it straight ahead as much after the shoulder injury and that was cited as maybe some evidence that you know what that injury could be a little bit more painful than he's letting on and that has changed his game his running game more so than anything just his desire perhaps, or perhaps he's on doctor's or coaches' orders, look, you know what, head more for the sidelines and run laterally than vertically. If you
0: recall, I think there was a few times last year where Cliff Kingsbury in press conferences was basically like, yeah, I'd really like for him to be a little smarter about how some of these things are going. Because I did feel like... I felt like as a rookie, he he obviously didn't produce as much rushing yards, and part of that was learning the game, and part of that was I think they were trying to figure out what they wanted to do. I felt like he came out last year, and especially when he had the early success, it was like I think that emboldened him a little bit in terms of, of being a little bit more aggressive with how he ran. And then, you know, you get to the point where it's like, okay, it's the risk-reward thing that we've always talked about. And, and that's the other problem with, you know, because if if you're going to be honest about this stuff, and I'm, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk to Kyler yet, but it's, I, I'm curious to know kind of how he reacts to all this. Because, again, I think the last thing he really wants to do is go down the road of like, hey, do you think if you keep playing like this, you're going to be able to last? Yeah. And I mean, that that's a subject he wants no part of.
2: And look, this isn't the only sport where they're not going to give you great detail on the severity of an injury. Look at hockey. Darren is a former hockey beat writer are you kidding me they'll tell you upper body or lower body and that's about it I vividly remember I can't remember the guy's name there was a playoff run by a team I was covering and you could tell the guy was in a lot of pain oh it's nothing Hanrahan's fine over there and he played the entire playoff run and then it was revealed later that he had a busted foot in three places and they would just lace that skate so tight it would actually stabilize the foot and they played it off for a month like it was
1: nothing I mean it's almost like Chris Paul right now right like he says everything is cool with the shoulder we can see it's not but how much you know in the benefit of two or three months down the line maybe when the next season starts maybe he'll say exactly what was going on behind the scenes with that shoulder and and that's what I feel about Kyler and hopefully we can talk to him and see how open he is about it but you know these guys are still very good players but how high is your ceiling when you're a bit banged up and the nice thing about Kyler is he's he he knows how to avoid hits for the most part, so maybe it was more just unlucky last season than anything that it happened to be one of the most important parts of him is his shoulder, and and you're going to get nicked up every single season, but he always has done a nice job of of staying pretty healthy and avoiding hits. So I don't think it's it's a huge issue. He's definitely smaller, and those injuries might crop up more when he takes a big hit. Being five foot ten, I mean, he's not a Ben Roethlisberger in the pocket or anything, but. Yeah, we'll see how it goes from here on out, but if 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 the injury was a big deal, then then that's obviously a pretty big storyline
2: heading into next season. Well, look, he was pretty darn honest on two other fronts so far this offseason. I just looked it up. It was the Rich Eisen show where he said, "You know what? I have to take care of the little things and pay more attention to detail." And really respect the little things is what he said. And then on that same media tour that day, he went on the Pat McAfee show, and he was asked about the Cardinals' roller coaster ride of a season, the inconsistency, and in the finish. And he said, and I quote, "You just didn't know which team you were getting." End quote. So m- maybe he'll be honest. I don't think yeah. he's directly been asked that question in the off season. What was the severity of the shoulder injury, and how limited were you the remainder of the season? Yeah, he's. I mean, he's not the
1: biggest soundbite or the most interesting compelling interview at times but he's generally pretty honest that's one thing that he does his he'll often answer the questions and we'll see we'll see what he says hopefully we get him in the next couple days and can Probe that a little bit but yeah I mean and I go back to it like there were definitely defensive changes and running that zone read I don't think the lanes were there that were early in the season so I'm hesitant to say like this injury completely changed their season but the way Kingsbury answered it I agree with you where he was like yeah it it was a pretty big deal and it it changed quite a bit offensively
0: I I was gonna say I do think for all this discussion that we're having that defenses did start accounting for it a little bit more and knowing that maybe the uh, passing offense of the Cardinals wasn't quite where the Cardinals might want it to be and it wasn't quite as effective if he couldn't move around in a mush rush and that kind of stuff. So I I do think defenses accounted for some of that.
2: By the way, did you uh, catch that one little glimpse of honesty from Buda Baker on Zavin Collins when he was talking about different members of the defense and getting ready for the season, et cetera, and he said Zavin Collins and he paused and he said – who gets it, he understands football, quote-unquote, about Zayvon Collins. That gave me a little bit, for a mini camp practice and a mini camp press conference, it gave me a little bit of encouragement and hope that a rookie, Mike Linebacker, is going to have the green dot, is capable of pulling this off when Buda Baker, who was brutally honest on the Big Red Rage, said, you know what, I'm not crowning anybody who's a rookie because i got to see him out there. So for him to offer that up on his own, that he does see some football IQ already out of Zayvon Collins. Uh, I took that as as a sign. Hopefully everyone can be bullish on a rookie pulling that off.
1: And, and Buda Baker, who we all saw right away, he came into training camp, no off-season work because of the Washington school schedule. He couldn't practice in the off-season, came in in camp right away. It's like, this guy belongs. It didn't yeah. take him long right. to figure it out. And he didn't really play early, but we always knew he was going to get on the field and start pretty quickly. And, that's obviously a bullish sign on Zavin if he can be similar because there are guys that have come in, and right away you knew they were players. So that's a big big plus for the defense if Zavin can do that.
2: By the way, on the Red Sea Report, we're just going to rip this off the Red Sea Report. And Craig <laughs> Grealou's question, which player is not getting enough pub right here, right now? As the Cardinals wrap up mandatory minicamp, and they get ready to launch into training camp for the most part through the month of August, which player, Darren Urban, would you identify who's running under the radar, if you will? Which player is not getting enough pub? Do you need Kyle to buy you some time? No,
0: no, I, I, I think honestly, I, I personally I, I think it's Rodney Hudson. I think there's a guy who, mm. you know, he's not gonna be super sexy and he's not you're not it's not somebody that you're gonna notice a lot or talk a lot about, but I just think adding him into the middle, I think, Changes a lot of the dynamic of what they can do on that offensive line, so I I think in that regard, I'm going to say Rodney Hudson.
2: Okay. Bertram Barry went with Rashard Lawrence, by the way, the fourth round pick a year ago out of that's LSU. Fair, Kyle.
1: I was the president and founding member of the Jalen Thompson hype train last that's year, that's true, <laughs> which never got yeah. out of the station. Woo! But I'm doubling down. I think okay. I think Jalen Thompson is a really really good football player, and a lot of people that aren't hardcore Cardinals fans don't realize that yet. And I think if he stays healthy, I think the safety duo of him and Buda Baker can be among the best in the NFL. And if those two guys stay healthy, I think it's going to really help a lot of these cornerback issues that we think might happen. So I, I think Jalen Thompson is an absolutely integral piece of this defense. And just for his sake, I would like him to stay healthy and, and show what he can do because last year, It was only in flashes, but he's just a very, very good football player. And if you want to know about it, ask Vance Joseph about Jalen Thompson because he raves about him every time he can. And I think think once again, like I thought last year, I think it can be a breakout season for Jalen
2: Thompson. I want to go with Max Williams, but really that's a matter of health. You know, in the absence of Dan Arnold, and, and you want to have that guy work in the seam, I, I think Max Williams is poised, knock on wood, to to have a big season. But if you really want to talk about a guy under the radar, I'm going to go Zach Allen. He had the unbelievable game a year ago against the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, like an all-timer. You look at some of the stats he put up as a D lineman against the Eagles in that game. It's just ridiculous. But there's a component going on right now. His new bestie is J.J. Watt. And Zach Allen told me, we did an event a couple of months ago, that he grew up, latter half of high school, all through B.C., the film he studied the most, J.J. Watt. That's his guy. And he said there are still times where he gets a text from J.J. Watt, what's going on, dude? And he just, he, he's just mesmerized <laughs> for a minute. He's just blown away. J.J. Cool. Watt is, is, cool. is checking in on me. And if you watch those guys during the minicamp, Uh, They're sort of hanging out together, and he's really gleaning a lot. I can tell from Jay. And you know what? There's a spot to be won along that defensive front. And to me, Zach Allen could be that guy. And he slowly put on more and more weight and strength as he's gone on. He said the advice he got going into his pro day back before the draft was to lose as much weight as you can, to be as nimble and quick as you can. And he said he was way underweight. It plagued him his rookie year. He got up to 285 last year. It looks like he's gotten even stronger again. So uh, my money poised for a breakout season. I'll go Zach Allen.
1: I, th- I think that that draft class that we're talking about was so big, and I think it's a good draft class, but now they're all going into their third seasons, and yeah. it's it's Zach Allen and Jalen Thompson and Kyler Murray and Byron Murphy. You know, Deontay Thompson is the guy that has flashed a little bit too. Maybe he can get in that mix, but – when you get into your third year, you can really have some big-time seasons, and we've seen that with, I think, Tyron Matthews' really good season was his third season. Like You can explode and become a star in year three. You kind of get it. You're still young, and for the most part, if you've avoided injuries, you're in good health and in the prime of your career. So that, that draft class was so big, and they had the number one pick in every round that Byron Murphy was a second-rounder technically, but he was number 33. Zach Allen, a third-rounder technically, but one spot away from a second rounder so like all these guys have talent that were up there and and if you get that type of performance out of a lot of them it really helps the overall product for this team
2: by the way speaking of d-line real quick xavier williams added to the cardinals roster he was the guy taken the same year 2015 as david johnson well he wasn't really taken yeah he was uh, i was undrafted rookie free agent but they are both out of northern iowa correct ostensibly they're watching film of David Johnson they're like wait a minute who's this D Lyman yep. for their Northern Iowa for 100 points. What's their nickname again? Panthers. The Panthers. Well done, Kyle. Wow, that was impressive. Kurt Warner uh, has a prize for you online, too, so he'll uh, be over there. So, all right, so Xavier. It's good Williams. to see Xavier back. Yeah, okay. That's good. I mean, you know, they – part he, of the all quote team, so it's good to yeah, have yeah, him Xavier back for us. Is, is he? He's, oh, a he's, he's,
0: he's a good oh, interview. Yeah, Xavier great interview. He's a really good interview. Wow,
2: I don't think I ever uh, went that. In never fact, I, t- I want to
0: say in one of my early David Johnson stories, I was happy I could go talk to Xavier <laughs> yeah. and get a couple right. of quotes from him because David wasn't always super forthcoming.
2: Hey, here's hoping even more so now that we can actually get into the locker rooms (laughs) to interview these guys. We'll see about that. I don't know. Fingers
1: crossed. He's carved out a nice career for himself being an undrafted guy, being what, five or six years in. And he, I mean, even though he's one of those late offseason signings, he, he obviously the Steve Kime knows him and they know who he is. And maybe he can get plugged in as one of those rotation linemen. The Cardinals always need six or seven D linemen to go in and out. So It wouldn't surprise me if he made the team and had a bit of an impact.
2: Biggest position battle coming out of minicamp going into training camp. This is one we can obviously kick around a little bit more in future editions of Cardinals Underground. But right here, right now, uh, the clubhouse leader for the group, the position group, that's going to have the biggest battle. Are we thinking right guard? Are we thinking Brian Winters, Justin Murray, help me out, Josh Jones, Max Garcia? Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: I, I agree with that. I mean, it just because it seems so wide open and because they have multiple people, and I don't think we really have a good idea of what they exactly want to do. I mean, there's other spots. Like, I'm curious to know what's going to happen at cornerback, but they're going to play three cornerbacks so much, you know, and, and I don't know if those rookies are really going to be ready, so it might just be a question of how they're ordered on the depth chart rather than really a position battle, per se, whereas obviously if you win the right guard job, you're going to play a lot. And if you don't, you're probably not. So
2: yeah, if you're going to go, I mean, the corners will be a rotation to a a large degree. D line will definitely be a rotation. Those guys always get uh, so many snaps a game to keep everyone fresh. But yeah, if you settle on a right guard and that guy decisively wins the job, he's apt to take virtually every snap all season.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I know they did some rotation last year, but ideally I think you want to keep a guy in there full time. And and that means he's clearly the best one. And, I don't think this offensive line has very many holes. I think DJ Humphreys has proven to be one of the better left tackles in the NFL, and Rodney Huntsett is already clearly one of the best centers. And I think Justin Pugh is solid, and and Kelvin Beecham last year had a good year. So if if Beecham can duplicate what he did and you can figure out that right guard spot, I think you're in good shape. I, th- I think clearly the right side of the line is more tenuous. I think anybody can see that. I think the left side is, is very solid, and, and if you can keep those three guys healthy, Humphreys, Pew, and Hudson, I think your line is going to be pretty good no matter what, but it's kind of that extra level if you can figure out the right guard and if Beacham can, can play the same way he did last season.
2: So if you get Wolf uh, in the air in the Big Red Rage, he'll talk about you know, what is going to be the level of physicality in the Cardinals game this year. So based on which guard they decide upon to start, is that a tell? If Brian Winters is the guy, then indeed, here comes the pound game, as the offensive linemen like to talk about it. The pound game straight ahead. We're going to go. I mean, we're digging in, and we're coming off the ball. And Kyler's under center. Hint, hint. Lamar Jackson and Greg Roman, what they're doing in Baltimore. And here's James Conner, and he's just following straight ahead the power run game. Or if they go with a Justin Murray or Josh Jones who a more nimble of foot, guess what? Yeah, we're going to do some more outside zone, and we're going to run laterally.
0: I, I suppose that's a possibility I, I don't know I, I don't know if it's going to be quite that cut and dry um, Because I, I do think that Whatever However more physical they might want to get There's still an element that To this offense that Cliff Kingsbury Is not going to go away from That does want to be a little bit more nimble And stuff like that And, and I, I do think they want to get Chase Edmonds Very much in this offense And I, I don't know if he's a plow ahead kind of guy
1: I'm pretty confident your right guard is going to be the best among those four and that person is not going to dictate whatsoever what your offense looks like. No offense to the right guards. You sure? Or to Ron Wolfley. Because I'm just or gonna, to Ron Wolfley.
2: I'm just going to throw this out there. The offensive line coach is Sean Kugler, who happens to be the run game coordinator who got a promotion in the offseason and a little more pay and a little more influence theoretically? So So if
1: Justin Murray wins the job, you're going zone read, and if it's Brian Winters, you're going I form under center. Is that ludicrous? But yes. uh, yes.
2: what do you mean? Completely. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't denote a change in philosophy in your run game if all of a sudden Hello, they went on a target at Brian Winters for a reason. Uh, It's his job to lose because that's the sort of run game they want to employ.
0: I feel like if Kyler Murray is your quarterback, you're going to be playing a certain way. And I don't think, hey, I like this right guard and running it up, so we'll put Kyler Murray behind center like 80% of the time. I just don't
1: see that happening. Maybe Rondell Moore will play fullback and they're just fooling us all.
2: (laughs) It's not often I say this. Yeah, I think they're going the other Where's way. You know? Where is Wolf when I need him? You know, where is Wolf when I need him here? I don't say that very.
1: They're what? They're going spread? I mean, you got Christian Kirk and Rondell Moore in the slot, and if you are going, if you are using a I form or if you are going under center, I mean, you are talking about eleven personnel at most, and one of those guys sits. I, I think it's it's much more likely that you are going spread than big boy football.
2: All I know is Darren's watching NFL Network, a Colts-Chargers game, I don't know, from the preseason 2008 or something. So I've lost Darren here. That's you a bad sign. You have lost me. I'm just, It's a bad sign. What well, you lost me was when
0: you said that they're I mean, going to start going up like uh, like frickin' the, the 1979 Pittsburgh Steelers and Franco Harris and Rocky <laughs> Blyer.
2: Okay, all right, I'll back off that a little bit. But I'll leave it with this. If Greg Roman – is indeed correct, and this wasn't media bluster. He was quoted at a season ticket holder event saying he's going to put Lamar Jackson under center more often. And we saw Kyler a little bit, little bit under center, and, and we've heard a lot of guys who know a lot about football and really extol the virtues of putting a quarterback under center. The running backs get that running start. You keep the ends honest a little bit more. Uh, There are some positives to that, and Kyle's already shaking. Literally, Kyle's licking his chops right now. He wants a piece of this answer. When I pose the question, do we expect Kyler under center more like perhaps Lamar Jackson?
1: I don't think it – necessarily has to do with playing under center I think it's I think it's more about being unpredictable and I think at a point last season the Cardinals ran the zone read and teams kind of decided how they wanted to defend it and if they're going to defend it that way we did see them go I form and do bootlegs and stuff so I think that it's it's just being a little bit unpredictable I don't think Cliff Kingsbury is ever going to be a put my quarterback under center type guy he said as much he thinks shotgun is the more optimal spot for the quarterback so i think we could see it a a little bit but i don't think the brian winters slash fullback slash straight ahead james connor for three yards in a cloud of dust is going to be this offense you know you know you know who can play fullback jj
0: watt
2: (laughs) jj Well, what about Mandatory Psycho? That's the nickname we came up last week uh, for Bernhard Seikovitz.
0: Fishing for your Austrian. we got to work that
2: into Cardinals Underground (laughs) as we're wrapping things up right here. We got the shout-out last week for it. In fact, here's the prop bet this week. Wolf will be able to use the nickname Psycho during a preseason game, meaning Bernhard Seikovitz will actually get some preseason action.
0: Yeah, a lot, probably. I don't know about a lot, but I bet you he gets a
1: chance to play in the game. I bet you it gets more than the starters. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All Jake right. Butt. J.J. Watt. You're going to see a lot of psycho out there. I like that.
2: I can't think of a better way to end. <laughs> this edition of Cardinals Underground brought to you by Pacific Office Automation. What was that quote again, Kyle, just for posterity?
1: You're going to get a lot of psycho out there. Boom!